And welcome to That Horrorcast. I'm Mallory Smart. And I'm Dmitry Samarov. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the 1988 British horror film, Dream Demon. In Dream Demon, we follow Diana Markham, an upper-class school teacher in London, who is preparing to marry her fiancé, Oliver. Alone in a strange new home that was bought for her, Diana becomes plagued by nightmares about her upcoming marriage and fever dreams about a young girl in wings, the paparazzi that have been relentlessly harassing her, and her new fiery friend, Jenny, who just walks into her life out of nowhere and has a strange connection to the foreboding house and its dark past. When Diana wakes, however, the demons brought out from her dreams never seem to leave, and her concept of reality becomes obscured. How you doing? Not bad, yourself? It was definitely a weird night for dreams, which is perfect for this discussion. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> it inspired the movie inspired some weird dreams in you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I have my own dream demons. Not quite as weird as this, but <laughs> no. no. Uh, is the wedding off? No, nope, that's, that's not what I, yet. That's the, that's the big question. <laughs> I guess if yeah, after this and after possession, the wedding's still on. I guess it's gonna happen. <laughs> but you know, I did have a dream. I'm trying to remember. It's like the minute you wake up, it like just yeah. starts like drifting away. But I did the other day, very similar. And I actually messaged Belent to tell him how angry I was at him because of the dream. Mm. Yeah, so he obviously did something wrong. Oh, but you don't remember what. No, it was just it was just wrong. Yeah, he'll remember if I ask him, and he'll because I do that occasionally. Be like, I cannot believe you fucking did this in the dream. Oh, I know actually. Um, okay. <laughs> it was a holiday in my dream, and uh-huh. he just kept like nitpicking the entire time, and eventually he was just like, you know what. You're just as fucking crazy as the rest of your family. You smarts are crazy. Why don't you stay here? Goodbye. Oh, he left. I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's the opposite of what happens in in Dream Demon. Yeah, yeah. I I think that that was a much more polite thing than what happens in Dream Demon. Yeah, in your dream, you didn't realize that you were engaged to an angry gay British Ken doll. (laughs) <laughs> I like that you got the Ken doll thing too. I I wasn't sure if I was too like into the Barbie situation or not, but I was like, he totally God, was he a, looks he like was like that. a blonde. He was a blonde Ken. I mean, I think Ken is usually brown haired, right? Or there's different ones. I uh, gotta be honest. Like, I'm very excited for the Barbie movie, and I'll admit <laughs> that in the '90s, I was really into that song Barbie Girl, but. I wasn't one of those kids that had Barbies. Oh, you didn't have Barbies? Okay. No, I just, I never understood playing with dolls. Mm. Yeah. That's another, that's another thing that happens in this movie. There's a doll. It's not, it's not a Barbie doll, but. Oh, God, no. <laughs> but at least that doll had more articulate, it could move more different ways and had more personality. Oh, it had personality. Yeah. yeah. It even had worms growing Coming out of its insides sometimes. <laughs> it's more like a Tim Burton Barbie doll, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, how about you tell me why you picked this one? Yeah, it came up kind of randomly. I came home. It was it was the night after uh, the the Wild Things screening at the Music Box, which you were at, and uh, I wanted to watch a movie before going to bed and. Uh, it had been added to the Criterion Collection. I guess they added some some horror movies, and I'd never heard of this movie. Uh, and I just kind of looked at it as, like, you know, late 80s. I recognized a couple of the actors, especially Timothy Spall, who plays the, like, the asshole paparazzi photographer. He's been in a lot of stuff. <laughs> I like that I probably recognize him very heavily due to a different film than whatever you recognize him from. What do you remember him from? Harry Potter. Oh, is he in Harry Potter? Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't know any. I don't know any of the Harry Potter universe people. 
uh, yeah, he's he. What I know him from is a series of movies starting in the '80s and into the '90s by the British director Mike Lee. Uh, he was in a lot of his movies. Uh, he yeah played a, a variety of roles. Uh, not none quite like this though. <laughs> none quite like this, but in Harry Potter, he plays a character named Wormtail, and he is just a sniveling. So. Oh, oh, he's okay. Yeah. Well, he's got one of those amazing faces, you know? He's kind of like pig-like. And <laughs> he's just, he's got a sneer like the, he's got the, what are the, they call it, the rest, resting bitch face, kind of. He definitely <laughs> has the, like, I just want to bitch slap you face. Yeah. He just he just looks aggrieved, you know, no matter what. <laughs> he always looks like something's wrong. <laughs> You know, I'm trying to actually remember, because I actually took note of this. I, I'm trying to remember if it was him or the journalist who was asking what the fiancé's dick was like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, think it, I think it was him. He, he asked all the, like, inappropriate questions, or most of them. Like, the, uh, the journalist was more like the good cop, or, like, he was, he was there to, like, calm, calm the girl down in... Because of what the photographer said. Yeah, they were chasing her down the street outside the house. I think that's when it was. And he was asking, that's when they figured out that she was a virgin. I just personally enjoyed <laughs> all the different British slang terms for dick. That yeah, was... yeah, he said like five or six of them. Yeah. I, I was working out at the moment. I was like, geez, I should write some of these down. Yeah, yeah. Pork sword, I think it was one of them. They had some weird ones. (laughs) I think Bonker was one. Yeah, yeah. He just went and rattled off a bunch of them in a row. (laughs) Yeah, that one definitely threw me. I know that they obviously didn't. That was just like the first time they heavily implied that she was a virgin. I'm trying to remember when they actually like. Yeah, I mean, said she was. She said it to the one chick, right? Uh, event, yeah, later though. Yeah, uh, Jenny. Yeah, Jenny. Uh, but there, there was a scene or two before with the fiance, where she sort of, I mean, she says, "I can't wait till we can just be alone and like start our life together, or whatever." And there, it's already sort of implied that there's like, you know, she's saving herself for him. Just such a odd late twentieth century thing to do. Well, she's, I mean, she's, the way she dresses and everything, she's certainly, she's made up to seem like she's from another time, maybe another century, not even the 20th century. I'd say the, like the 19th or 18th century, you know, that she lives in. <laughs> she she was also just far too trusting as a human being. I would not have let Jenny Hoffman of Holly Weird into my house. She was totally, she was totally uh, naive and... Kind of not of this world. Also, if you think about it, I mean, we learn nothing about her past. Like, we don't see her parents. We know nothing about her, really. Except, except that she's, she's a, a virgin. She's a virgin, and she's a teacher in, like, some posh school. And she's just moved into this haunted house. And is, for some reason, living there alone without the fiancé. You know? I think it's, like, their house, and she's just, like, settling in before they get married. Yeah, it's a present. Uh, her father buys it for them for the for the wedding, but the fiance is never there, <laughs> you know. And it seems to have other apartments that are uninhabited, or there will be. Maybe the plan is to rent out the other apartments or something. Uh, I mean, they did imply the fiance was broke, so that would be a good plan. Well, yeah, but that's a secret. Like the, she doesn't know that, you know. <laughs> Well, she'll find out eventually, just like that, on the wedding night. That's the the muckraking. The photographer, though they they tell uh, Jenny that I think mm-hmm. they find they do some digging on him and find out that he's just marrying her for her money. Which is, I mean, not a shocker since he never seems to like he's even attracted to her. It's just like a business deal. Yeah, and he just. I don't know if it's a British thing or obviously he was just a douchebag thing. He just totally was not willing to deal with any comment that she made that he didn't agree with. No. 
No, no. And I mean, you know, it, it all it all is set up with whatever the second scene of the movie where, uh, where, where she has the dream about she's imagining her wedding and she says no to him and then like punches him in the head and his head flies off and spurts like a fountain of blood. I love <laughs> those know? graphics, by the way. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> that That's what got. I, so, yeah, I came home late and. Turned on this movie and I, I didn't know if, I didn't know much about it and then I saw that I was like all right I'm in <laughs> what is this what is going on here <laughs> that is just and, hilarious yeah uh, most of the movie takes place in some kind of liminal in between time between waking and sleeping and you're never quite sure whose vision you're looking at because she meets this girl Jenny from LA who's in she, in England because she realizes that she thinks she was born in the house that the other uh, what's her name the main girl Is I always forget their characters names Diane Diane yeah the, the the house that she is now living in may be where where Jenny grew up, but they sort of they kind of intertwine and kind of switch. They're kind of one person in a way, or they're mirrors, you know. Mm-hmm. So she's sort of like the Diane is kind of who she, will become Jenny if she moves into that house, kind of. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That because also. Jenny's past is shown in flashbacks when she's a little, a creepy little blonde girl who's represented by that doll, you know, (laughs) also. So it's, it's a lot of, uh, doubling and tripling of things and mirrors and, uh, it it gets very confusing, but in in a kind of satisfying way, it's not like this is a Rubik's cube that you need to solve, you know? What I liked about it. (laughs) Is uh okay, obviously it gave very strong Nightmare on Elm Street vibes. Yeah. Especially with the basement, it looked just like Freddy's boiler room. Mm-hmm. I liked though that at a lot of times we weren't sure if we were in a dream or not. Yeah, they kept waking and waking out of dream, out of dream. Yeah, there's levels and levels to the point where you just you lost track. And like you're just going with it and being like, yeah. I'm just following these characters, let's see what happens. I also like that by withholding, by not having the quote, like the Freddy character, it's, it's that it's just this woman's own uh, anxiety and, uh, you know, sort of bad feelings about what she's about to do. That's causing this, all of this, you know what I mean? I feel like that's the best like villain ever, your own mind. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I mean, I think it's always the actual villain, but in most of these movies, they put in an actual figure, like a demon or a Dracula or something. You yeah. know? I would say, like, Nightmare on Elm Street, they had to put, like, an actual physical character of this is the person who's invading your nightmares as opposed to this, where it's just, like, your mind's going all over the place. You're fucking crazy. Yeah, I mean, you can ask... I mean, maybe Jenny doesn't even exist. Who the fuck knows? Exactly. She was way too fun yeah, she's sort of. Diane. A, I mean, the only time that Jenny ever really meets other people, it's uh, once with the journalist and once with the fiance, and the and the fiance hates her, and she's like, "Who the fuck is this? Why is she in our lives all of a sudden?" <laughs> Which is one of the few times where it's a valid question. Like this girl just shows up at the door, and now she's like part of the family. It's kind of odd, you know. I mean, you know, she did, you know, bitch out the photographer. Yeah, so. she kicked him in the balls. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so not something I would do for a stranger. Yeah. Well, she's a tough punk, L.A. punk girl. You know? <laughs> like, she looks like she could be in The Runaways or something, the way she's dressed. <laughs> I feel like they went a little too over the top with her style, but <laughs> then I, I just kept thinking, like, oh, they're trying to make a big contrast between the characters here. Yeah, because because Diane is such an old fuddy-duddy, like, milk toast character, you know? She's such a goody-goody. Which made you wonder, why did she want to even hang with Jenny? Well, Jenny was her way out. I mean, Jenny helped her find her way out of this doomed marriage thing, you know, that she shouldn't have, obviously shouldn't have been doing. 
Diane clearly has no other friends. No, Diane has nothing going for her, really, except that she's like some kind of rich, rich pampered girl, and she's going to marry, like, she. yeah, she's marrying a Ken doll, like a, a fantasy, like a, a guy in a uniform, you know, that you see. Like when, uh, yeah, when Jenny comes into the house for the first time and she sees the portrait, it's like, who's this? Like, and she's kind of laughing at it. Like the guy, the guy in the captain's cap, was like, "Oh, that that's Ollie. I'm gonna marry him," and she's like laughing at her, you know. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> that's why I feel like her personality was the best in the entire movie. <laughs> Who, Jenny? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's a comedy relief, but it was it was also yeah. It was like uh, she's there to like diffuse the whatever the pressure, like all this. These bad feelings that Diane is having about getting married, which, you know, starts out like the very first scene. It's this like kind of wedding dress fitting thing. She's always like, it's right away seems like an odd kind of nightmare thing. It's like through sort of Alice in Wonderland kind of vibes in that. Definitely. God, I am immediately realizing like how pampered Diane was didn't she immediately offer her champagne when she mm-hmm. came into yeah the- yeah all they had to drink was champagne in the house yeah I I was just like looking like okay I understand maybe wine champagne though what well like look at this like young woman who's works as a teacher lives in like she moves into this like abandoned castle basically it's like a almost like a castle and she, yeah, she's driving like a fancy, fancy sports car. Yeah, uh, she's Which I you know she's a princess. She drove on the wrong side of the road at one point. Oh, she did. <laughs> I know. I was just like, "What the fuck?" Like, we're not being authentically British in this scene. But yeah. Mm. Well, they they yeah they do sometimes have the the other side wheels and you know. Yeah. Who knows. Was, mm. well, they were driving all over the road in that in this movie, you know. Definitely, I don't he know why fa- I felt a need to like take note of it, but I was like, "He's fucking British. What the hell?" <laughs> Much narrower roads than in America, too. In general, I would so never what, drive in a foreign country. No, <laughs> I've driven. Uh, let's see, where have I driven? I've driven in uh, Italy. I think I drove in Israel, too, once or twice, but not often. Crazy drivers there. Yeah. Italy, it's very narrow roads, uh, especially in the in the town, in the small towns. I must say, don't they tend to, like, favor, like, pedestrians much more? Well, it's not, it's, those, the, the old towns are not built for cars because they were built before cars, you know? Yeah, I would not fuck with that. I, I would so get in trouble. Although, yeah. I've never seen anyone get pulled over. In other countries, so I, I would just get in trouble where I'd fuck up the car or I'd hit somebody. Oh no, they they pull people over. I mean, I know like where my so my parents for years would rent a place just outside of uh, Florence, and and this town is like up up above, like kind of like on a hill and stuff. And as you descend the hill, in the road there's these sensors that measure your uh, speed. So you just pass through this beam, and then you can get mailed a ticket. You know, so you got to slow down when the sensors are coming up, and you just, you know, people know to control speed. But yeah, no, there's you get pulled over. Yeah, I guess it just really depends what country you're in. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, yeah, I mean, she's Diana's basically a, a fairy princess. You know, very something oblivious about everything. Who so, so like this horrible thing comes like it's supposed to be a dream. She's marrying her prince, but he definitely turns out to be a whatever a frog or whatever the opposite of princes. She seems like one hundred percent incapable of seeing a red flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's completely oblivious. That's why she needs these nightmares and Jenny to set her straight. I know she needed a weird rape nightmare and stuff like that. And punching the guy's head off, and yeah, yeah, all kinds of shit. And there's this, the the creepy uh, journalist and and photographer chasing after her, who she locks in the basement, and basically, I mean, she's torturing them. 
Well, they tortured her for it first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that poor uh, Timothy Spall is like trapped in the basement for like at least half the movie. They can't even find him. He's somewhere... And well, in the end, it turns out he's behind a, they're behind a brick wall somehow. <laughs> That's the end of the movie. <laughs> I like how they actually make the journalist seem like a douchebag for trying to find his photographer. Uh-huh. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, he's just doing his best. He's worried about his friend. Yeah, no, the entire thing is super, like, the point of view is always skewed and subjective, and it's all, like, the entire thing is dream logic. It's not, like, above... Above board, waking, waking life logic, you know? And that's basically how you know that you never knew if they were in a dream or yeah. not. Yeah, I mean, for all we know, none, none of what we saw for like the hour and a half of the movie was actually happened, except in her mind while, while she was sleeping. Maybe she wasn't even getting married. Maybe. Maybe she was just hoping and turned out like it was a bad hope to have. Who knows? Well. I, I'd like to imagine that most people have that, like, oh, I want to have that Ken doll prince-like guy, so maybe. Did you? No. No? You, no. You, you never wanted to marry Ken? Well, yeah, you said you didn't play with the dolls. I didn't play with dolls. Who did you want to marry? I don't think I actually fantasized about no. getting married when I was young. You didn't have the wedding, the wedding fantasy. <laughs> I know a lot of my friends did, though. Yeah. Did you have to like play along and be like a bridesmaid or something? Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> Especially when you have a friend who had one of those like playhouse things and you're like, oh shit. Oh, like one of those big doll kind of like yeah. where yeah. And you were like always the bridesmaid, never the bride. <laughs> <laughs> Except I had no problem with that. And you were happy about it. <laughs> I was just like, whatever. I just never knew how to play in that way. But I guess that's just me. Huh? Did did the the bride girl was she frustrated that you weren't playing right? Or? Usually it would turn into I would start <laughs> making my own storylines. Oh really? You were like the bridesmaid that just went off and did something else? Yeah, I was a bridesmaid who was going main character accidentally. And doing what? Whatever weird ass av- adventures, just to get us off the wedding. Away from the dollhouse? Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of like when, like, have you ever been to a sleepover and, like, you tell, like, a scary movie, a scary story, and then you pass it to the next person and be like, now you complete it. Nope. Okay, well, I did that (laughs) as a kid. I was always the person who would bring it to a really weird place. Yeah? Yeah. (laughs) I just enjoyed doing that. Just be like... I'm going to outcreate you guys. I'm going to really ruin whatever story you're coming up with. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you were the you were the weird girl in the in the sleepover? I would say, you know, other than the fact though that in sleepovers you're supposed to be the weird girl is the one who always falls asleep first, and that oh. was never me. How so, many yeah. how many girls were in the sleepover usually? Well, I guess it depended on the event. <laughs> it really did. Like, if it was just, like, normal, like, regular friend chill out and, like, just two. But, like, I've been in a sleepover with, like, 20 other girls Jesus before. Christ. Where do you put 20 girls? In a gym or something? How the fuck do you do that? We just <laughs> got the whole basement. Our own boiler room. Oh, weird. Wow. What? What was that event? Why were, why were there 20 girls in a basement? Um, I played basketball, and our whole team oh. decided to have a sleepover. Wow. Yeah, what when did, the season ended. What did you do? Was it like watching movies or? No? Watch movies. Some girls did nails. When you have that many people, you get subgroups. You start kind of splitting into different like friend groups there. Jesus, 20 people. So like just in like sardines, like sleeping bags on the floor? I don't think I've ever brought a sleeping bag to a sleepover. Usually just bring a pillow and a blanket. They had that, oh, oh, that you brought, like. Yeah. It must have been a giant basement, though. Yeah, I mean, I won't deny that a lot of my friends were rich people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it would have to be. So. 
Yeah, you you'd have it would be like the house in this in this movie. Exactly. Although that that basement wasn't gigantic. It seemed it to have more creepy. And there was rooms. Well, sometimes they would descend and it was this other kind of like underground like the ones with the with the kind of uh it didn't seem to be the basement anymore. It would seem to be like they were on like a lower level of the city or something. It felt like a labyrinth. Like a lab, like a maze or labyrinth that uh, Jenny was trapped in towards the end, that well, she couldn't get out. You know, Jenny had good reason to have that problem. Yeah, yeah, she had she has she had some daddy issues. <laughs> it almost had Jen- wants to like be like, who has the more fucked up problems, Jenny, Diane, probably Jenny. Yeah, who knows? I mean, we, the only parents we actually see are Jenny's. Well, no, there's one scene when uh, the, it was one of the dream sequences where where Diane shows up to this, like, proper tea with uh, Oliver and and his parents, and she just got a garter belt on instead of a dress. Oh, she's yeah. Got, <laughs> that, and he just, like, basically calls her a whore, you know, and throws the wedding ring in her face. <laughs> that, that, that was a good moment. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. I I can't I can't believe this movie is not better known. I mean, like it's just it's a it's a delightful it movie. What I was looking it up, and uh, it's popular. I see a lot of Reddit forums about it, and oh, really? <laughs> on Letterboxd, and everyone keeps saying undervalued British horror films. So it's like totally. Okay, yeah. And yeah, so when let's see, when did the first Nightmare on Elm Street? come out a little bit earlier than let's see i am not yeah. a master at that 84 yeah so this came that's out what I, four years later yeah so probably influenced by but it, its own kind of take on it i was gonna say nightmare on elm street isn't exactly what i'd call a unique idea no but the also i think there was there was the this one had a great like uh wall uh Bleeding, you know, like crack with a bloody blood coming out of a wall. There's some stuff with walls in Nightmare on Elm Street, acting wonky, you know. In my mind, I was crossing it between Nightmare on Elm Street and Amityville Horror. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's taken kind of kind of paying tribute to some better known movies, but it's yeah, it's very very British though. Like these characters and and the um, there's a lot of stuff about class in this movie that you wouldn't find in a, in a typical American movie, you know. Definitely. I like like the the way the journalists how how contemptuous they are of Diane for being like upper crust and spoiled, you know. They anger about that. It's a it's from a society where. They're defined classes as there are not here, or like people pretend there aren't. You know. Oh, we definitely have classes here. We just pretend. yeah, but yeah, we yeah, but we uh, yeah, we don't talk about them though. <laughs> what's that? That famous that Steinbeck quote that there's like no poor people in America. They're just like temporarily temporary. embarrassed millionaires. Yeah, yeah, rich millionaire, right? Like that. But that's not the case in England. Basically, there is these ca- sort of like a caste system, and you're not expected to ever rise above or out of your station. You know, you're just supposed to stay where in your lane. Traditionally, it's definitely yeah. a thing that, like, I just because there's so many British tropes that I've seen in movies. Is mm-hmm. that a legit British thing? I I imagine so. I mean, well, for for a long, long time, I, I know I'm sure. And their current society is, there, is different, but are the paparazzi as douchey as that? Because every time I see paparazzi in like a British film, they're just so fucking annoying and entitled, and think they could harass you. Well, I've never been chased by paparazzi, so I do not know. But <laughs> but you see this in like in Italian movies and stuff like yeah, that I don't know paparazzi, but just people like snapping pictures in your face and stuff. They really were in her face. Like, they were blocking her way to yeah. her home before Jenny from Hollywood got there. Well, first they, they, they got her at the, at her place of, at her work. Oh, yeah. 
and and then they followed her home. Yeah, yeah, they were incredibly intrusive. Uh, I mean, you know, one of the other things is, you know, in Britain and other European countries, the spaces are just much more compressed. People are just closer together than in America. We're so spoiled with all this room to roam. You know, everything's just a lot closer in Europe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like this was such a short movie that was pretty, like, to the point. (laughs) (laughs) Or I'm just like, what else do we talk about? Jenny was abused. We didn't bring that one up yet. Yeah, uh, we we don't... I don't think we ever see uh, Jenny's mother. We only see the father, who's some kind of weird demon sculptor or something. (laughs) Who, yeah. And then, also, the other... Weird thing is, like, towards the end where they're visiting the cemetery, somehow they, they visit uh, Jenny's parents' graves, and she says, like, oh, I never missed them before. Like, now you, you miss them after having all these visions? You're fucked up. <laughs> you know? Yeah, she always was going to be fucked up. You could tell that from the beginning. Also, yeah, the is it one of the, the last scenes with them before... The final scene is is with the photographer and the journalist breaking out of the brick wall, but and wanting to go get something to eat. But <laughs> I mean, that's but, the first thing I would do too. So yeah, after after you've been trapped in a basement dungeon, <laughs> you'd be hungry. Wouldn't you be? <laughs> yeah, but before that, in the cemetery, there's that there's the sculpture of like little girl Jenny as an angel. So that's a recurring uh, image through the movie, like where the father is trying to like kind of like nail her to these wings or something yeah. to make an angel out of her. Trying to make like a living sculpture out of her. Yeah. And but the last time we see the, the two women, they're in that cemetery and there's a sculpture of, of young Jenny and it says to sleep for chance to dream or something. I think that's the the inscription, something about that. So that's kind of like. The key to the whole movie, you know? Yeah, they had to bring dreams back into it. Yeah. <laughs> but no, not the good kind. Nobody has good dreams in this movie. No. <laughs> They're all nightmares. No good dreams. <laughs> I really enjoyed this, though. I'm happy that you found a movie that I've never heard of or seen. So that was oh, cool. I'm I'm happy I did too. I I had neither. Yeah, I'd never heard of this movie. Uh, I don't. I don't know if they. Uh, it must have gotten some sort of theatrical run here, maybe, but like not much of one. And uh, I looked up this director's other movies, and I haven't seen any of them. Uh, well, I did obviously, see a, the actors eventually went on to do very good things. Well, yeah. The the this was. Uh, uh, Gemma Redgrave's first movie, but she's part of like she's like an act, a family of acting royalty, basically. Yeah, she's related to Michael Redgrave was a famous actor in the earlier 20th century, and then Vanessa Redgrave, who's still alive. Uh, who else? Jolie Richardson, Miranda Richardson, Miranda Richardson, who was who died in a like a mountain. Something accident. She's married to Liam Neeson. There's all these actors. Uh, it's this huge Lynn Lynn Redgrave. They're all like well-known actors in in movies and theater and TV. And it's really it's, impressive because it was a very low-budget film. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure they spent all that money on the actors. You you don't mean they they spent them on the amazing effects. <laughs> I know that head being punched off that looked like it was really expensive. Yeah. Timothy Spall had some pretty good uh face makeup towards the end when he, he gets getting uglier and uglier. They kept piling more and more shit on his face. <laughs> it was a moment when you like were thinking like could he get uglier and you're like oh my yeah, god. He, he just could. every scene you see him he gets uglier and uglier. <laughs> Yeah, it had it had a definitely like kind of like Alice and what like through the looking glass kind of feeling, you know. Mm-hmm. You just kept going passing back and forth, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
I'm immediately wondering right now with Mr. Kendall, was he actually rich or was she just having a nightmare again that she was getting that info? See, you don't know because also like there was an, did you catch like this offhand thing? One of the things that the Timothy Spall found out was, or like, like he was this like hero in the Falklands war. Like he just came back like this big hero and those it was a very controversial, like it's like the last gasp of the British Empire where like Britain invaded this island off of Argentina, you know, mm-hmm. that it, it's still, it still may be like a sovereign British territory. There's this ridiculous like short war in the early 80s. So he's like the hero of this like fucked up war. Uh, and that's supposed to like, be uh, make him more attractive or something, but uh, yeah, uh, Timothy Spall sus- accuses him of some like war crimes, basically. You know, I can like, see that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he seems the type, so yeah. Yeah, he seems like some kind of sadist. He do- even though there, there's one scene where, uh, oh, she's Diane in one of the her many desperate phone calls to him. It's like she catches him in bed with some other woman and he refuses to come rescue her from her nightmares. Mm-hmm. Like he never wants to help her. Then yeah, in the end, like where she's committed to the insane asylum, to the sanatorium uh, and the doctor, her, her shrink is like, you've got to stay here. It's like, what the hell can I do? Just call me if anything changes. <laughs> Worst husband ever. Worst fiance ever. So you should count yourself lucky. You won the jackpot in, in comparison. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, definitely did good. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, a, I mean, no matter how much ugly, like, makeup or whatever on Timothy Spall or any of these other demons, like, the husband's the, the worst monster in the movie. For sure. <laughs> Which is, you know, he's the center of a lot of the nightmares. Yeah. They're He's kind of all causing all... the stress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's look, look, the movie's got a happy ending, you know. <laughs> she she throws the engagement ring into the donation box in the church. I would have kept it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she could have pawned it. Well, oh, the I thing mean. is she, she had was, she's not a lady that needed needed funds. She 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 would have done okay. Daddy, Daddy would rent her a nice, cute apartment instead of the haunted house. Next, I'm sure. <laughs> Probably, yeah. you know, because she didn't have like a good job. <coughs> she was like a teacher. Assignment. She was a teacher. Yeah, that's yeah. She was a well-off teacher. <laughs> well, yeah, I think, and I imagine in higher society, there's some sometimes people take these jobs where they want to like help help their society or something. You know, it's not because she needed the money. Mm-hmm. It's clearly, yeah, not many, like, elementary school teachers are driving, like, Mercedes, you know, sports cars to, to their job. Like, that doesn't happen so often, <laughs> you know, if you're actually doing it for a living. The other thing I found fascinating, um, and I do know this about British culture, is that she had a therapist and therapy isn't very big in England. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you about that, too. Is that, like, was that therapy session like the ones you go to? Oh, hell no. For years? <laughs> There's no snap. There's, she didn't have any a wall with spiffy sayings in the office. No. <laughs> I was very disappointed in the service that she got. <laughs> oh, you think the therapist wasn't up to snuff? Nah. Not as good as yours. <laughs> she she obviously like wasn't taking anything seriously. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it she was just sort of there to make fun of her kind of like everybody else. She was like, very patronizing. Yeah. Like what well this clear this clearly represents this, don't you understand? You know, yeah, she he was she was talking to her like she was a little girl. Which she kind of, I mean, in fairness, she kind of was. As I said, she was very naive and can't spot a red flag and lets a complete stranger in her home and whatever. I wonder, I mean, like, after, like, she goes through all these nightmares and she survives, like, 
What's her next boyfriend going to be like? If she has a next boyfriend, th- this just might have traumatized her away from even trying. She waited that long as a virgin. She might just stay one. Uh, yeah, she was w- waiting for her prince to come. Maybe she, maybe she'll go off with Jenny. That would be a fun twist. Yeah, I mean they, whether Jenny is real or not, they're instantly become like inseparable, like within like a couple of scenes. Hence, Kendall wondering why is she here all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, making besties is not that easy as, oh, thank you for kicking that guy in the balls for me. Here, come on in. Let's have champagne. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was almost like she just wandered in off the street and she's like just wandering into the house like as if it's normal. Just made herself at home. Yeah, she's she's very comfortable, which, I mean, it's explained why. Yeah. She's comfortable in that house. And she's picking things up as if they were hers, like the teddy bear and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'd say all around, very underrated movie. Very hard to find if you don't have Criterion. Well, that's all the more reason to, you know, for future sponsor of our podcast, Criterion Channel. So, like, best money you can spend if you, if you like movies... Uh, for, for me, I think it's the best place for movies. On 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 streaming, I mean. I'll be the first to admit that I have now gone back to my millennial roots. Streaming oh, yeah? is way too expensive these days, so I just pirated it. Yeah? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Man, I went the illegal way. <laughs> like, I've, I've... if I can't find it for free on any of the services and I can't find it at the library, it's one of those, fuck it, I'm not paying for it. Yeah, back to, like, Napster and LimeWire or whatever. <laughs> See, these days we have Pirate Bay. It's so much better. Yeah? Yeah. Well, there you go. You're adver- advertising illegal activity. <laughs> That's what you're encouraging our listeners to do. I think they already are doing it. <laughs> oh, really? Streaming services have definitely gotten to a point now where it's just like having a very expensive cable package. Well, sure, yeah, except you got you got to pay piece by piece. Yeah, the only one I consistently pay for is Criterion and uh, Mubi is the other one I really like. Uh, but those are the ones; those are two of the ones where there you can tell there's actual humans curating the selection. Mm-hmm. What I really resent and get aggrieved about is this all that algorithm stuff you know i find the netflix algorithm very interesting because they actually um change the cover art for the movies based on your profile based on what you like that's so fucked up i know like i was actually realizing it a while back that like i don't remember which movie it was but, Speaking of nightmares, that there's yeah. there's our fucking nightmare. <laughs> it was just like I, I think it was an American horror story thing, and like uh-huh. Balenc was like hotel, and mine was murder house, and I was just like, what? Like I didn't know they could do it differently, but yeah, they do that with everything. I mean, I think we've known the algorithm. Yeah, we've known for a while that like the search engines do that. Like if you search for something a word, it'll come up with different results than if I do. Mm -hmm. And it's also, they're taking into account all the activity before. So, yeah. You you can kind of loop it into this movie where, like, everything's fucking subjective and we're we're never quite sure. Like, there's no stable ground, just like there isn't in this movie. And there isn't for us in in the internet. (laughs) So then you have to resort to illegal activity like stealing movies. Exactly. Or locking paparazzi in your house behind a wall. Well, yeah, we all have to do that now and again. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's completely warranted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm yeah. sorry. If a photographer came at me like looking like that, I, I would totally 
knee him in the balls or lock him in a boiler room like area if I had a chance. <laughs> so, so yeah, what you're saying, yeah. So uh, Diane's uh, Diane's uh, reactions are warranted. Diane, you know what? Yeah, it was maybe it made me think the Diane and Jenny thing. It's almost like Fight Club or something. You know, I was gonna say she's everything <laughs> that she's not. Yeah, she's it's a projection of everything she's not able to do in conscious life. Yeah. Like she says what she's not willing to say. She yeah. does what she does. You know, she's one of those. There's, is someone gonna do it? I'll do it. There's all these shots of, especially once you know Jenny gets trapped in the other world or whatever. They keep looking at each other through the, both sides of the mirror. You know. Yeah, there's like an astral plane or something. Yeah. Or like that, like, what's that thing, what's it called in Stranger Things when they go to the other? Upside down? Yeah, it's like that. I mean, it's sort of a common trope of any kind of horror fantasy where, like, this inside the walls or whatever, there's this other upside down world. Yeah, because Jenny was trapped in, I don't know, a void. But if we were to say it basically is an upside down, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like, I think one of the things I like is... Yeah, and it just continually keeps you off balance once you think you figured out which part is the real and which part is dream. It just flips again, so you can't. You're just lost in the in, in the labyrinth. <laughs> I dug just, that. Just keep trying to wake up. <laughs> if it's possible. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I know I'm I'm still asleep. <laughs> The, this the whole conversation could be happening in in a dream. Yeah, I I definitely I dream of our conversations, Dimitri. Yeah. <laughs> well, you said you had weird dreams. You be, last night? Did you forget those? Or I already forgot them. <laughs> you already forgot them. So they're they're, you know they're how not. It is. Not about your nightmare wedding. <laughs> Anytime I have, like, nightmares about the wedding, it's not actually, like, the wedding wedding. It's more of just, like, oh, shit, I forgot to pack this or whatever because we're doing oh, it in another about the country. Trip. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. You're doing it on top of a pyramid, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we're going to find a mummy and try and bring it back to life, and it's going to no, be amazing. He'll be the best no. man. Yeah, it'll be like that that, cover, that Grateful Dead concert or something, you know? in front of the pyramid <laughs> oh yeah and, and Brendan Fraser gonna, is going to be the officiant he's going to marry you in, in full mummy gear exactly oh I gotta be honest here I'll, I'll say it for everyone here but Lent loves the mummy just as much as I do and I had to stop him from wanting to dress like Brendan Fraser for our wedding what, what, what is he dressed as in in I mean, he's like not an archaeologist. He's like a grave digger, action hero type guy. So he's like an Indiana Jones type, yeah, sort of. Or, yeah, and he I'm was going to dress like, like an, no scarf and like I. Does he have like a pith helmet on or something? Or <laughs> oh come on, Brendan Fraser would never hide his hair. But <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, I apologies. I'm I'm so sorry. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I told him, I was like, if I see, like, that kind of scarf, like, I'm just going to say no. I'm not wow. going to say yes. And what does he want you to dress as? Uh, honestly, he doesn't care that much. Wow. He's more just... about his outfit. Jeez. Wow. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> see, that, that just threw you right there where I had to tell my fiance, you cannot dress like Brendan Fraser in The Mummy for our wedding. That's a deal breaker. The wedding's off. <laughs> Definitely is one of those odd, like, I, I'm sure there are a lot of people who have had to have weird conversations like that, but this is probably one of the weirder ones. So what are I do, what are you going to wear? Do you know? I'm just going to wear just a nice white dress, and he's going to wear a white shirt and white pants. Definitely, like, kind of the Oh, so you are, yeah, you're going to be in white. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, it'll probably still be hot then. Yeah, we're it's Egyptian cotton. Yeah. So, you know, it's made for that kind of weather. Ah. 
I know. We're keeping it very simple. We're not like, oh, my God, look at how amazing I look. Just, well, are, aren't yeah. you excited to finally be together, like, since you've been saving yourself all these years? I know. 11 years. Just you're, been waiting. Yeah, just waiting and waiting. Yeah, saving yourself from marriage. It's going to be glorious. With my Turkish Ken doll. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, as long as you don't, you don't meet a, a mystery girl doppelganger on the way there, you know, who will talk you out of it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like, I would totally be besties with Jenny. So. Well, yeah, Jenny's like totally like form, whatever, formulated in a, in a, in a lab to be like the best, the coolest best friend ever, right? Exactly. <laughs> like, I would probably ditch the wedding if she said, no, this is a bad idea. I'd be like, all right, I trust you. <laughs> well, and then Belette would have to run off with Brendan Fraser, right? And they could live together. You know, I'd like to say that, but I think he really would just run off to the mountains and just be like, all right, I'm going to just live like a mountain man. Really? He has a fantasy about that, and I'm just like, yeah. He's gonna he's gonna marry you and drag you off into the mountains. Oh hell no, no no no. (laughs) I mean, I just made him go camping by himself this weekend. Oh really? Oh wow. Oh, so you're you're not into the camping? I'm fine with it occasionally, but Uh I think he wants to live in the wilderness. And I told him I was just like, I have no issue just sending you out into nature and. Doing your thing. <laughs> you could do whatever it is out there you enjoy doing, and I'll just sit in a nice house and read or something. Huh. Yeah. I say house loosely. It just yeah. home, place I live in. Yeah. I have no real urgency to have like a house house. I don't, don't you get- want that. Don't you guys? Go, I thought you guys like drove around and looked at houses. Yeah, it's not we one do of that. your hobbies, but you you never actually aim to buy one. It's one of those if we see something we like, we'll consider it. Yeah. Sometimes we see something we like and we see the price and we're like, we're not that rich. But... Mm. So you're you're not going to buy a sprawling, haunted mansion. No, but I so would. With like a, a weird dungeon basement. I found the house. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and Boo is like, you would where the reboot of Amityville Horror was filmed. Apparently they uh, filmed it yeah. in Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. And I, it's for sale right now. So you're, gonna, so you're moving to Wisconsin after you get married is what you're saying? If I suddenly come up with one point two million dollars, then oh, yeah, that's no, that's no problem. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm sure you'll find it on your Egyptian adventure. You'll find it inside the pyramid. There's going to be like a bag of gold or something, you know. You know, for someone who's not into the mummy, you clearly know exactly how they got rich. I, I mean, broad strokes, I know. I mean, I, I know the old mummy, the old, the, the classic, you know whatever Warner Brothers from the monster age, you know? You know, I, know I don't think mummy. a lot of people are familiar with that. I mean, I am, but I don't think a lot of other people know that there was an original mummy. Yeah, all, all these fucking things are reboots and remakes. Oh, there's even I mean, a remake of The Mummy with Tom Cruise in it. Sure, yeah. Well, yeah, it's like an echo of an echo of an echo of a Xerox fading, Yeah. That's so so much of our what we're treated to in this culture these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because because just having having uh, your own idea is not it's not a stable it's not a dependable way to make money. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. Uh, do Do you guys think you'll stay in your place after you get married, or are you planning to move somewhere? I mean, I feel like we just are going to continue living the way we do. Yeah. That's why we just are like, yeah, we might as well get married. But our lifestyle is probably not going to change much. I mean, look, in in this country, it's set up like tax-wise, there's lots of advantages to being married. Mm -hmm. Like money-wise, there is. It's definitely, the system favors you, you know? (laughs) 
Oh, I was actually like shocked because I was like, hey, you get to be saddled with my student loans now. Exciting. Well, yeah, that's that's the flip side. Uh, yeah, when I actually, yeah, now that I think about it, the, when with my ex, the one I was going to, I was going to have my second marriage and we were about to get married. But like one of the, one of the things that I, I was resistant to it about is that, you know, she had like a stable office job and she had a house and stuff. And if she married me, she would have, you know, been married to someone with no savings, no nothing, you know, like no retirement account. So like it wouldn't have been a great advantage for her, you know, that sort of gave was would give me pause, you know? I mean, you didn't want a sugar mama? (laughs) That's a very very double-edged sword, (laughs) the sugar mama. So who had the dream demon in that situation? Was was it you? Oh, well, I I would not want to speak for her. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure after all these years, I'm sure she counts herself lucky that she she dodged that bullet, but... (laughs) Uh, at the time, she was very angry with me and for a long time for calling it off. Well, I mean, I feel that's an issue. Blint and I were talking about people that call off weddings yesterday for some reason. Oh, so, yeah? Yeah. We, we definitely were saying, like, oh, my God, that's got to be one of the most humiliating things. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. <laughs> one thing I learned from a person that, like, called off a wedding is if if you call off a wedding just fucking break up because there's no future, you know, after that. I kind of assume that that was what that was. No, but we, st- unfortunately, we stupidly stayed together another year after. Whoa. Because I kept waiting. For, I, I knew because I knew her and know her. I knew that like it would have just been better psychologically and emotionally if she broke it off. And I kept waiting for her to, to dump me and she wouldn't. So after a year of misery, I had to do it and be the bad guy, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was a fucking disaster. It was it was messy, you know. And I didn't want it to be messy. And we would go out for years after that. I would go back and forth between being friends and enemies, friends and enemies. And now, like, we don't even talk for various reasons, which is unfortunate. It's sad. I try to keep up with exes when I can. But uh, yeah. Yeah, if you call off a fucking engagement, don't stay together. <laughs> I, I would go with that vibe. That, that, that's a takeaway for, for, from this podcast conversation. <laughs> yeah, it's not like this uh, Diana and what's this, and Ollie would like be hanging out having coffee anytime in the future, right? <laughs> we can't, you know, know that for sure, but. <laughs> you wouldn't think so. I mean, seeing as they don't seem to have anything in common to begin with, you know? I mean, we don't see them together doing any kind of couple stuff ever. He wants money. She has money. She wants a Ken doll. He is a Ken doll. Yeah. And look, their marriage is built on less, I guess. But <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> but yeah, wh- wh- why were you and Belent talking about people? Did you know, some, you know somebody who called off a wedding? You know, I don't know what got the conversation started, but we were talking about because my cousin was left at the altar. Oh, really? That was like a decade ago. I remember like it was day of wedding and I was like, holy shit. Well, yeah, that's what happens in at the beginning of this movie in a dream. But still. Yeah. My cousin is now happily married and has kids. So. Oh, oh, so your cousin did not uh, punch the. The head off of for fiance. I don't know what happened to that fiance. She met a new guy. <laughs> <laughs> for all we know, there is a dead body somewhere with no head. <laughs> it being Chicago, there are probably several. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I would say something for knocking somebody's block off. <laughs> It was an impressive hit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she 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 doesn't look like it, but she packed quite a punch, at least in her dreams. Yeah, that could be another thing, as you were just saying, Fight Club esque. You know, yeah, yeah. Jenny, she's willing to get physical. Yeah, well, yeah, she she won her trust by kicking kicking the photographer in the balls. That's how they became best friends. That's all it takes. 
I'm trying to imagine like myself in that scenario. I would just immediately write her off as another crazy person and be like, "All right, goodbye now." Oh, uh, uh, Jenny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're being harassed by two people, and one person steps in. I don't know. You didn't notice that, like the gate to that house. It was just she would just leave it flapping open all the time. Like she wasn't so concerned about security. <laughs> she reminds me of someone so much, but I can't oh, yeah? say it on the podcast. Oh no! I mean, I don't think they listen to the podcast, but Belent listens to the podcast. So oh oh, it's oh it's a friend of yours. Eh. Enemy, enemy uh, of yours. <laughs> oh no! Oh man, what a cliffhanger! This is so unfair. I know. <laughs> Maybe I'll message you later. <laughs> is it Roxanne Gay? Exactly. Yeah, God damn I, I that bitch. So. <laughs> big, big fan of of our podcast, Roxanne Gay. Yeah. Okay, it would be hilarious if she ever was like, "Oh my god, I want to be on that horror cast." <laughs> Look, you know there are people, uh, even famous people, that have like whatever a Google alert or some like underling that is tasked with scraping the internet for any reference to them. So it, it wouldn't be a, a complete super total surprise, you know? I don't think she has that much money. Yeah. Who knows? She, she, she could have an unpaid intern. I think she probably, te- she was teaching somewhere. I don't know if she still teaches or not, but yeah, I think she used to be a teacher in Indiana before she mm-hmm. actually hit big. Yeah. But she could, I mean, many well-known writers teach somewhere so if she has a ta the ta's job could just be you know scraping the internet for references to her that would be interesting but i doubt it she probably likes horror movies i imagine she would oh i did actually have someone who asked if they wanted if we would ever have them as a guest oh yeah are they going to suggest a movie and then ghost <laughs> <laughs> like like some some unnamed not not guests. <laughs> um, one sec. I'm gonna like find the email right here. Yeah, is it somebody you know or just like off Twitter or something? Um, a <laughs> friend of a friend. Huh. Um, Scott Tafoya. Scout Tafoya. Yeah, I I've met Scout Tafoya. Yeah, yes, Scout Tafoya's friend of. Do you, do you know somebody that knows them? Yeah, I know John Nix. Uh, I don't know if you know who that is. I know that name. He's connected with uh, Gennady somehow. Is Adam he? Gna- I, I think so. Gennady knows uh, everybody. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I've met Scout Tafoya. We were in town for movies. He's yeah. like a movie person. Yeah, he does... Um, Movie reviews. He also makes his own movies. He yeah. writes about movies. Yeah, I, I was at a screening. Friends with my friend, friends Ben and Cat uh, Sachs, the the couple that run um, cin- the Cinephile, that site Cinephile that I could contribute to sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should definitely have have Scout on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's lit. That's very cool. Let's do that, and yeah, we should have. Scout suggest a movie. He already has a whole list that he sent oh, me. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Anything, anything uh, strike um, you? I mean, he, I don't know. I don't like these movies. <laughs> well, send me the list. Uh, email me the list. Okay. Um, it'll probably be a while before we get him on, but. Oh, yeah. Should I recommend a movie for the meantime? Of course. Yeah, it's your turn. It's your turn either way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was actually, I keep hearing about The Pope's Exorcist with Russell Crowe. What? I don't know. What is that? Well, it's an exorcism movie. Oh, boy. And starring How, Russell Crowe, so yeah. When is it from? It just came out, apparently. Oh. Like, it's oh. available, like, to rent and everything, so I'm going to pirate the, it, of course. The Pope's Exorcist? Yeah. Well, I'll have to look it up. I have not heard of it. Well, I do, vote that. Does he play next. the Pope or the Exorcist? The Exorcist. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, it came out twenty twenty three. So yeah, it came out April of twenty twenty three. Oh, it must be like a straight to video. 
<laughs> so I guess who, we'll find who's, out. Who was recommending this thing to you? The algorithm? or <laughs> A lot of people on my Twitter uh, really? were doing it. But I would say the main person who keeps talking about it is Michael Rothman. He used to be the editor for Consequence of Sound, and now he handles uh, Bloody Disgusting, the podcast. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. Well, well, cool. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, send me Scout's List uh, just to look at. And, uh, yeah. Sounds look good. Or, look and see about this Pope's Exorcist. Sounds good. Sounds good.